One of the first games I distinctly remember watching was Super Bowl 23. There was 3 minutes and 10 seconds remaining in the game. The Bengals had just taken a 16-13 lead on a Jim Breach field goal. As the 49ers strolled onto the turf, the field position was as brutal as the South Florida Heat. They would have to go 92 yards for the go-ahead score, and every inch gained thus far had been a struggle. San Francisco had yet to find the end zone, settling for three Mike Coffer field goals. Nerves were hitting the players, especially the young offensive lineman Harris Barton. Barton had been a jovial team player throughout the week's Super Bowl festivities, always letting his fellow teammates know when a celebrity was around. As Barton's nerves literally led to his hands shaking, quarterback Joe Montana knew that he had to calm his teammates in the huddle. It was then that he made an observation that he would use to get everyone's maxed out nerves back to neutral. Montana focused his eyes quizzically toward the opposing team's end zone. As his teammates gazed downfield, they were probably expecting a motivational speech straight out of a cliched sports movie. Instead, he uttered the words that would alleviate all of the pressure that was building in that huddle during the long duration of the television timeout. Hey guys, look down at that end zone. Is that John Candy? Indeed, it was John Candy. The pressure drained out of the huddle as if the quarterback had access to a release valve. The nerve steady, the drive started, and an efficient three-minute drive concluded with a John Taylor touchdown securing a 20-16 victory for the 49ers' ever-growing dynasty. How do you quantify that tangible? Where is the evaluation for a quarterback who knows what to say and when to say it to get the team in position to play at their best in the biggest moment. There isn't a stat or an algorithm, just an it factor. The it factor that creates a field general. The it factor that makes Joe Montana an all-time great. I'm not sure how to identify it, but I like to think that that drive allowed me to know it when I see it. Most people bet on teams. That's fine. What I'm suggesting is simplify, condense, and narrow the focus. Bet quarterbacks. You're going to be watching them the entire time anyway. Along with that, the games so often come down to quarterback play that if you know quarterbacks, you're going to find the best edges at the most important position. That's why it's a necessity to have an idea of your quarterback rankings. A list that gives you a basic idea of where guys stack up as starters, 1 to 32. If you look at your list, you can see the gap in any matchup. The longer I've bet football, the less tangibles I've tried to handicap because I've given up on pretending I can equate so many details into a number. Without that number, you can't determine whether a point spread is correct or has value on one particular side. With stats, you can get an idea of what teams do well and which teams struggle in particular things. But even the stats have the bias of which ones you choose to look at and which ones you ignore. 
Limiting the focus is sometimes absolutely necessary, especially if you have limited time. How much time can you really spend poring over statistics, reading articles, watching pundit shows, and then putting thoughtful picks together? But if you're limited on time, spend it on the factors you think matter most, and it's hard to argue quarterback not being the front runner. I have the time as betting football is my only real hobby. But even if I limit myself, it's three or four things. I know, however, throughout the season, the most important thing is to have a grasp on how quarterbacks are playing individually in comparison to the market of all 32 starters. We've all been there. Two minutes left, we have the underdog. Say the Vikings plus three, and they're up by three. Great shape. Who could ask for anything more? You can when you see Aaron Rodgers walk onto the field to take a final crack at a game-winning touchdown to hijack a victory and annihilate your fiduciary future. As your team went ahead, you were spending what that brilliance had acquired, but now your enthusiasm has sunk into the pit of despair. Cool, calm, collective, there's an ease to the way Rodgers plays that elevates him towards the top of the position. The game just comes easily to him, as if he doesn't have to try as hard as everyone else. He is the definition of a field general, focused and at ease advancing the troops downfield. In crunch time, he is confusing and wearing defenses. Great game plans get punched in the mouth as elite quarterbacks pick them apart. They are the great ones. And when you bet against them, your genius reasoning based on handicapping expertise is thrown out the window. You wonder, why am I betting against this guy? It's Aaron freaking Rodgers. What makes Rodgers so good can certainly be quantified with stats in some cases. His accuracy, his touchdown to interception ratio, fourth quarter win share, or yards per pass attempt. Choose what's important and Rodgers will probably hover near the top. But the fall-off statistically between him and Kirk Cousins may not be so far apart. Cousins will probably outrank Rodgers in specific numbers. It makes a case to not let numbers deceive what your eyes are seeing. No one can watch these two rivals play twice a year, year after year, and think Minnesota has the better QB on the field. Cousins is always proficient statistically. Yet in big games, when the lights are the brightest, he has a tendency to underperform. If you just subject yourself to his stats, the canyon of separation narrows as you miss the tangibles that truly separate the big-time gamers like Rodgers from the average to decent crop of cousins like quarterbacks. Going into any bet, I have to know what kind of quarterback matchup I'm involving myself in. I don't have to have the better quarterback, but the points and the situation have to meet some subjective standard for me to get involved. You have to have an idea of which quarterbacks are average, lousy, good, or great. I recommend making a list to reference your ratings of starting quarterbacks. Put every starting quarterback into one of three tiers. We'll start with the lowest tier, tier three, which is the average to below average QBs. Tier two, 
will be the average to good quarterbacks. Now, there's some overlap here, and that's okay. We are just trying to have a broad idea of who belongs in the average with upside category versus the average to liable category. The tier one gunslingers are an overlap of your tier two guys that were clearly good, but includes those that might be great. Now that you have the three tiers, we're going to assign school style grades to all the starters. Your bottom tier three guys will get a C for average or a D for below average. No needs for F's here. F means fired and is not starting in the NFL. Tier 2, as we know, contains some average C's, but also rewards the good players with B's. Lastly, Tier 1 has some B's, but the players you determine above even the good QB's are your A's. A's should be reserved for truly great elite players in comparison to the rest of the league. If you decide to take the evaluations even further, you can take the letter grades and factor in smaller nuances that are either positive or negative. Just take the letter grades and give an average quarterback with a nuanced edge a C plus, or a good quarterback, but there's a but would be a B minus. Lamar Jackson is good, but his passing is limited when his team is behind. This is a good example for B minus. That should give you a good general grouping that shows you a list of where you feel quarterbacks rank. Smarter betters then say that they'll compare their rankings to other analysts or stats. Maybe you look at rankings based on stats like QBR, fantasy production, or power ratings from outlets like Pro Football Focus, or more mainstream journalists from the Worldwide Leader or Big Football. Either way, you want to see where you are in line with consensus and where you have outliers, whether these be misevaluations or keen insights into your own discretion. The outliers may be where you find your greatest edges when making particular bets based on your personal opinion. The whole part of comparison, however, is to evaluate the evaluator. If every ranking you make is way off from all other outlets, you may be missing something and be in need of some adjustment. Another approach would be to take your rankings and blend them with other trusted sources. You still personalize the list, but shrewdly interject opinions you recognize as smarter than your own. I won't preach how to evaluate your quarterbacks, as I'm not qualified to do so. You should have your own idea on what makes great, good, average, and lousy. Maybe you are an analytics-driven, and that's fine. It certainly has the benefit of taking some subjectivity out of the matter. But don't be afraid to have your own opinions. All the games you've watched create an internal database of useful eyeball-driven information. All of this is to say that knowing quarterbacks is as important, if not more, than knowing teams. <laughs> my, my wife teases me that my choices in quarterbacks to bet on is like someone who constantly dates dumpster fires. 
I try to explain that getting points, these guys are scrappy as underdogs, that it's situational. By the way, she completely understands how the basics of the point spread works, so she presses that the spreads are basically telling me how engulfed in flames the garbage is. She's not wrong. It's the gambler in me. When you bet elite quarterbacks, you usually have to lay the favorite. It's expensive in terms of point spread. I'm more prone to bet underdogs, so I'm willing to take a more turbulent passer with the chance of winning or losing close since I'm getting points. This leads me to betting less than consistent, sometimes terrible roller coaster types. I wouldn't want to build a franchise around Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I love the thrill of betting a game where he is involved. It's something that separates the admitted amateur from a pro. We want to have fun with it. So you remember the quarterbacks who left your heart racing until the final seconds of the game. I'm not saying it should be done intentionally, but sometimes, subconsciously even, gamblers are going to bet the most fluctuating teams and players. As your financial advisor, I wouldn't recommend investing long-term in Baker Mayfield. But if you love a good disaster movie, it's a thrill ride from start to finish. In the right spot, various quarterbacks can be the right pick. If you don't want Jared Goff, you don't want him in a blizzard or against a monster pass rush. But if he has protection on a sunny day, Goff is an accurate passer and a steady game manager. For time management consideration, you will know if Goff is going to implode on the first drive. If he gets hit from the pressure right up the middle, and you can see him start mouth-breathing immediately after peeling himself off of the ground, go ahead and set your money on fire and start looking for a late game to bet. This is to say, pick your spots with guys like Goff and Mayfield. I don't want to play them as big favorites, but as an underdog in a game where both teams are competitive, the throw ride can be profitable, fun, and nauseating all at the same time. This does not mean that betting good quarterbacks is off the table. They just tend to be pricier. Sometimes, though, when you see the players you rank as elite as small favorites, that can be all the reason you need to bet on them. All sorts of nuanced factors can play into a Vikings versus Packers game. But if you see Aaron Rodgers at home against Kirk Cousins only laying a field goal, don't outthink the room. Just think about Cousins taking that three-point lead with two minutes remaining and know that you've got a quarterback that your rankings say can get the job done. How do you bet that guy? Because it's Aaron freaking Rodgers. Thanks for listening.